and welcome to You're Wrong About Musicals. I'm Esme. And I'm Nell. And today we are going to be talking about Anastasia. I love Anastasia. Our first princess musical, because it's not Disney, as I've been told many times this week. It's not. Anastasia is not a Disney princess. Not a Disney princess. If I did say it was a Disney princess publicly, I'd have Toby at my door. Name dropped. Name drop Toby. We definitely said Toby's name. Well, yeah, when we were doing Dis- when we were doing our last Disney show, because I had a ton of questions for them about like how Disney theatrical works, because it overlapped with like The Little Mermaid. And I you know, when we talked about Sierra Borghese. <laughs> yeah, anytime we mentioned Sierra Borghese, undoubtedly Toby's name has come up. Well, no, because when we did Phantom, he was like, he was like, you have to talk about how how good Sierra is, like as a person. And I was like, oh, you did. Oh, my friend, I, I. I forced my friend to listen to part of the Sierra, the Sierra Guest recording. Yeah. wishing. We were just showing each other musical songs that we like. Oh, that's and so cute. We have such cute friendships. <laughs> um, but he was like, I hate this girl's with brass tongue. And I was like, you cannot. That's Sierra Baguette. You cannot say that. Did you think Toby was going to appear and start fighting? I was genuinely like, you cannot say this. Do not say that. They'll hear you. <laughs> they told me. I just I love Sierra Guest as well. I think she's great. I think this is so off topic, but I was thinking about it this week. I think that there's just some musicals that just sound better when you listen to the live version. Yeah. Phantom is one. Les Mis is one. I and I okay, say like I Miss Saigon like, is one. Because the thing with Phantom is maybe it's not so much the live version mm. as it's listening to not Sarah Brightman. I love Sarah Brightman, by the way. I think I really love her version of it. But no, um, like, stuff like Point of No Return is so much more elevated. Oh, yeah. Speaking of recordings... Oh, yeah. No, guys, we just don't have that much news this week, so we're like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. We have, like, still... two news. Um, yeah. Um, oh, there was the Macy's parade thing. Oh, so... yeah. The backlash. The backlash to the Macy's Day Parade, which is ridiculous. Like, it's... Two, two non-binary performers? How dare they exist in public? Oh, no. The children. Who cares? The thing is, like, I, was, I think I said this, I don't know if I said this last week. But you did, but um, I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, editing down, great comment. Yeah, we chat a lot. We chat was... a lot. It was originally like two and a half hours. So there is a two and a half hour cut of Great Comet out there. It is now like an hour 55. Because the news broke as we were recording. Yeah. I was like, I don't know that much about either musical. It was yeah. like Shucked and... It was Shucked and Anne Juliet. I've seen Anne Juliet. Don't ask me about the plot. Don't ask me about Anne Juliet. Yeah. I hate hating, like really liked musicals. Because everywhere I go, I'm bombarded with music. Fucking love Angelia and Corporation Mincy. Well, I was, I don't know that much about either show, but apart from Angie, I'm I'm not sure if Shucked ha- like the character is non-binary. So, um, you know, it, it I can't remember about Angelia. I've seen Angelia, and I think um, I know the char- for a fact there's a non-binary character. Oh, they are non-binary because they sing "Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman," which I think is actually like a clever use of the song. Sometimes they just sing songs for the sake of like having the song in. But like this was a moment where I was like, "Oh, okay, it makes sense for this character to be singing this Britney Spears song." But yeah. um, I think in Shocked, I've seen because I've listened to a bit of Shocked. I think in mm-hmm. Shocked, it's just like never explained. 
and that's just the way the character is which is like cool or whatever like who actually cares but yeah people like boycott boycott the macy's parade they're woke they've gone woke who cares man grow up one's a musical (laughs) it's a musical about corn (laughs) grow up it's a musical about corn and then like at romeo and juliet fanfic one of the musicals was about corn the other one was the worst adaptation of Romeo and Juliet ever made. Yeah, there's more to be annoyed at. And there Juliet are other about. things to be angry about. Yeah, and like as I said, that was one of the better moments in Anne Juliet. So you're depriving it of like its actual good moment. Yeah. And it really Anne Juliet really needs the win. No, it doesn't. No, it, it fucking doesn't. Like as a story, it needs a good moment. I rather. It ha- the thing is, if you let it have good moments, people start defending it. And yeah. God forbid I see people defending Anne Julia. I'm also very passionate about. On to our next thing we hate. Merrily we roll along. Oh, no. I thought we were doing mincemeat. Continuing to hate it. Turn into mincemeat. Okay. We have a few pieces of news, apparently. Um, we have more than we thought. <laughs> Merrily we roll along on Broadway is charging $899 for a seat. Which is ridiculous. I knew it was expensive. That's a mind-boggling amount of money. That's more, like, I can't even put into words how much money that is. I have seen expensive theatre seats. In case you don't know, I love Phantom. (laughs) In case you couldn't tell. Phantom seats get expensive. Yeah. Like, there are are prime seats, which are the ones directly under the chandelier. Mm. And they get up to, like, 200 quid sometimes, which is a lot. Yeah, no, like, I, I know that there are some packages manageable. for stuff yeah. like Moulin Rouge and um, the, the big long-running shows that charge up to 250 but they are packages. And I still think yeah. that they're insane. It's like the thing, £200, this is in pounds, I don't know, yeah. how, that's probably like fucking $500. I feel like that's like $300. Um, but that, that's still a bit ridiculous. That's like $250. But, like, I could scrounge up to yeah, I could scrounge up that amount of money if I really wanted these seats. If I like, if I had and the if money, I had a ton of disposable. Yeah, if I had a ton of disposable income, I might buy those seats for the experience. Yeah, that's manageable. Nine hundred dollars for a seat. Mm-hmm. The people who can pay that will get a box. Yeah, the people who can pay that we can probably like rent out the theater. <laughs> rent out the theater. Just here's the thing. They say it's like $900 per seat. But the thing is, very few people go to the theatre alone. Yes, yeah. So actually, it's more like $2,000 because you have to go with at least one other person. Mm-hmm. And then you buy drinks, which mm-hmm. are like $50 there. I know that from Beetlejuice. Um, you get to keep the cup, though. <laughs> is the cup worth $50? I still have my cups. But I like, ca- like I keep every single little thing from shows. Yeah. No, it's it's insane. Know. Prices it pricing is shit. And I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, there's the West End doesn't have this problem. He definitely do. do. Just yeah. to a lesser extent. Like I was saying, Phantom has some very expensive seats. But I still feel like they're manageable. Lamez. Lamez has some very expensive seats. Moulin Rouge. Cabaret is so expensive. Cabaret. The other show has horrific pricing for its seats. I think I've worked out how they're able to do that. I don't care how they're able to do it. I just think they shouldn't be able to. No, I think they shouldn't be able to, but like, I hate it. 
It goes against everything uh, I stand for. Operation Mincemeat has straight pricing. The seats in the front row have the exact same price as the seats at the very back of the balcony. What I would do to have recorded when we figure out, figured that out, like how the pricing works. But that's why it's so it was fucking ridiculous. Sorry, we're just complaining about Operation Mincemeat again. But anyway, it. come back on the 18th if you want to hear more thoughts. We are going to bitch about Operation Mincemeat. <laughs> Operation Mincemeat bitch fest commence. Oh, but um, they're putting on a plaque. So nice. we will get more into that on the 18th because it goes into one of my main critiques of the show, which is that yeah. just nothing is thought through. Everything is open-ended, nothing is thought through, and they start like mar- like plot lines that would never finish them. They like anyway. somewhere deep. It's <sighs> we talked about this so much. It's kind of like a worse version of Bake Off. Yeah, because with Bake Off, like. There is that still still that same issue of it's not been developed, but with Mincemeat it's just like they're throwing a ton of shit at you and none of it gets developed. Yeah. Everything on a plaque for Hester Leggett. Yes. Who's one of the characters that all the characters are real people, but they're putting up a plaque for her. Mm-hmm. So she never got remembered. Nope. And the show didn't even do enough research on her, so the fans did, and that's why they're putting up the plaque. I feel like the fans also raised the money, but I might be making that up. The fans but back uh Badgered MI5 until they released. Dear Lord. They also, their the, uh, posters got kicked out of the underground. <laughs> I actually had to block them. <laughs> I like genuinely had to block them because I was so tired of their account coming up. I searched their account whenever I'm bored and like just need something to go, what the fuck? Else? Also, a national holiday is fast approaching. We won't know when it is. Until the day, but oh god, Spotify Wrapped is fast approaching. I've already come to terms with it that Andrew Lloyd Webber is going to be my number one artist. Yeah, week list has been revealed. The what? Uh, Strictly Come Dancing with Musicals week. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, so Spotify Wrapped's coming out. Get excited! It might be out by the time this episode's out. Also, um, over on our Instagram, there is a month in like review if you want to know what we're doing for the rest of the month uh, it will be on there with some fun little graphics um yeah, yeah so i'm reading uh, andrew lloyd webber oh god what's he done was speaking at the global investment summit at hampton court palace on the 27th of november <laughs> he's doing anything but writing a musical and i think we should be thankful Theatre on Broadway, a vanity project. So his entire career has been a vanity project. No, no. Okay. Andrew Sorry. We actually haven't talked about Andy in a while. I know, so I have to get this out there. Yeah, no. Andrew Lloyd Webber has branded Theatre on Broadway as a vanity project. Speaking at the Global Investment Summit at Hampton Court Palace yesterday, the 27th of November, the composer called on investors to think of Britain first when putting money into theatre. According to Click Here, Lloyd Webber stated, statistic I got last week for London is that for every pound it, that it generates in the theatre, it generates £1.40 in the local economy. Theatre is, in my view, in the UK, an incredibly exciting and good investment. Mm-hmm. To put a musical on Broadway now would cost roughly $20 million. Fair. That is actually true, yeah. But continue. I passionately ask for two things. That theatre is supported by government a little more than perhaps it is at the moment. And I passionately ask of you, if you're thinking of investing, to think of Britain first and think of our theatre. Icon. That's actually if like a... If there's one thing about Andy, he's going to fight for theatre. 
If it, yeah, there's one thing about Andy, he's gonna know how much it generates for the economy. Anywho, Anna saves her time. It has music and lyri- lyrics by Lynn Aarons and Stephen Flaherty, who worked together on musicals like Ragtime and Once Upon, I- Once Upon This Island, and a book by Terence McNally, who's like a massive deal, was a massive deal. Um, he did play, he did like serious plays, and he was considered one of the greatest playwrights of the twentieth century of modern times it is uh, from the pro from the playbill it says it is inspired by the 1997 20th century fox film it's very different so <laughs> <laughs> on that note let's read out a synopsis from it now take it away the evil wizard rasputin played by christopher lloyd puts a hex on the royal romanovs and young anastasia meg Bryan disappears when their palace is overrun Years later, the Grand Duchess, Angela Lansbury, offers a reward for Anastasia's return. Two scheming Russians, John Cusack, 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 I believe, Cusack, and Kelsey Grammer, planning to pawn off a phony, hold auditions, and choose an orphan girl with a remarkable resemblance to the missing princess. They bring her to Paris for the reward, not knowing she's the real Anastasia. Spoil the plot of the movie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the plot of that is kind of a big reveal. <laughs> yeah, because she goes by she goes by Anya. Anya. Anya for most of the musical. Oh no, she also movie. does in, in I've not seen the movie. I'm not she goes by, she goes by Anya in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I seem so. So it would be Produced and released in 1997 specifically to challenge Disney's anima- uh, world domination with animation because it was currently having what's known as the Disney Renaissance with Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, and some others. Toby's going to kill me. <laughs> 90s. Yeah. I think it was starting to slow down by this point with um stuff like Hercules and stuff like that because 2D animation was really like in its last phase of being used because technology was slowly starting to evolve past it. I'm going to see. 1989 to 1999. This one made the Rescuers, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback and Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan. Pretty iconic lineup of Yeah, worldwide it would gross $140 million. Which is quite... Which does seem to be challenging Disney's animation domination. It did its job. <laughs> and it is a great film. If you haven't, if you haven't watched it, Esme, yeah, you should it. go and watch the Anastasia film. It's really good. I feel like I'll get to it when we get to my thoughts. Um, It would have songs written by Liam Aarons and Stephen Flaherty, with the biggest hit of the movie being Once Upon a, Sem- Once Upon a December, which was the second song sung overall. They would write six overall. What a song. It is an amazing song. That, um, like, Journey to the Past, I've definitely used as audition songs more than I should. <laughs> but they're such lovely songs. No, once one of... Is it Journey, Journey... No, Journey to the Past is the second song. Sorry, I wrote that down wrong. In the movie? Yeah, it's the second song. I feel like that might not be true. Because it's her walking from the orphanage to the... Yeah, uh, and then Once Upon a December is the third song. It's the third song. Yeah, sorry, I got that wrong. Um, in the musical, it's really weird because Journey to the Past comes up like halfway through Act One. Journey um, to the Past is the Act One closer, and then yeah. Back to December is like halfway through Act One. We'll talk about why they made that. 
change? Uh, once upon a did you say back to December? Once upon a December. <laughs> it's like right at the beginning. Yeah. Um it's like it's one of the no it's not. No, it's I not. I feel like I always forget. In my head I always mix it up like um the movie and the musical timeline. Yeah. Because they also In my dreams is also a beautiful song. I mean like I have quotes about why they changed it. Um I feel like maybe for me, because I just love the movie, I feel like the movie works better. Interesting. But I feel like that's just because it's like four kids and it's very straightforward. Yeah, like it's a completely different medium. There is a like Rasputin comes back from the dead. It, they, they can do a lot more with um Once Upon a December when they animate it than they can live action. And like Journey to on, the Past. On stage. Journey to the Past serves such a different function in the movie than it does in the musical. Yeah. The singing parts of the movie would be done by Liz Calloway compared to Meg Ryan, who did the speaking parts. Um, the song is has gone on to be like a quintessential leading lady song with so many people like singing it for auditions, singing it for stuff, and like Liz Calloway was did an interview where she basically oh, said Who would ever sing who would ever the past for an audition? No. That's so strange. <laughs> that's so that's so basic. <laughs> <laughs> um Liz Calloway basically said, I've sung it all over the world, like every time I do a big concert that I have to sing this song. It's become it's a big, it's big... A great song. <laughs> it would be not Journey to the Past would be nominated for Best Original Score and Best Original Can a Single Song and Best Original Score. I don't know. It's from the nineties, so it's probably changed. Oh, no, I do. It's a crazy time. Um, but it didn't win because it lost two. But it lost two. Do I want to know? My heart will go on from Titanic. Honestly, also a great song. I'm like not going to My heart will go on. Not give it to my heart will go on. Yeah, but you cannot give it to Phantom. I'm still on this shit. Phantom should have won. However, <laughs> it's been like five this, is a, this is my second Phantom. Anastasia's <laughs> Journey to the Mars should have won over Titanic's My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> Um, and it would also be nominated for Best Original and Comedy Score at the Oscars. So. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> Bye. I've got a coach to catch. I'm not joking. I genuinely have a coach to catch later. I have a um, lecture this evening. I'm, I've already had my classes for the day. It's been fun. Um, so um, the development would happen when, of the musical, when a Russian producer approached Aaron's and Flaherty four years before, like, the first production, before it got to Hartford, I believe this was that. Yeah. Um, about adapting the animated film to stage, they immediately thought of McDally. Um, though the Russian production never came to fruition, it got the ball rolling, and the team collaborated with McDally on Ragtime and a chamber musical, A Man of No Importance. They thought Anastasia would be a cross between the two. Mm, I guess. I'm not sure. In some senses. Like, sure, Ragtime? Yeah. It's like, a, like, like in terms of style, I get that, but that's just because it's all written by the same people. It's style. It's like um, style. It's more in ragtime. Has because the 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 reference ragtime is like in reference to ragtime music, which is like yeah. very jazz inspired. Yeah. So I I don't know, but I can guess in like the epic kind of way because Anastasia has a lot more characters than you think. Yeah, there are a lot. And ragtime has a shit ton of characters. Lynn Allen would say the first. 
we wanted to do was write an original score. We wanted to take some of the song, songs that we love, that we wrote back then, and put them on stage, but in a new way. Reposition them, rewrite them in some way. We wanted to approach the show from a different musical vantage point, more sophisticated, a little more far-reaching, more political. It does do that. Yeah. It, it, I would say. It's definitely more historically accurate, which that was... Which we'll get into. Remember what we said last week about us knowing far too much about Russian history? This is the part we know far too much about. Yeah, the movie is very apolitical. Yeah, yeah, with Stephen's clarity saying, I remember the day clearly when we were in a Bon Pan in um, New York City when we were working on the film. (laughs) That's not even what it says, or Bon Pan. On Bon Pan. The good bread. (laughs) Is that what it means? Yeah, the good bread. That's it was like some coffee shop then. Um in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. And we were working on the film and someone throws the notion, what if Rasputin rises from the dead and is accompanied by an amino bat? Albino bat. And that's what the <laughs> and that's the moment you realise, oh, it's gonna be that. Uh it's going to move over that way. It and it's out of the blue. Once you're hired, but you've been hired, God, working in Hollywood, doing the best you can to write a beautiful score, not having complete control over your destiny. So we wanted to use the film and the Legend of Anastasia as a jumping off point, but it's really the original musical telling with more history. Terence McNally came aboard, which was thrilling because I didn't think he'd be interested in doing just doing the film and putting it up on stage. Mm. July of twenty fifth. 2012, uh, it would be announced that there'll be a reading of Anastasia with it being specifically based on the Fox um, movie, with them saying it would feature five songs from the movie. Because I think that there was a song that was just cut, didn't make it over to the trans to the musical, right? Um, I have a feeling that's true, but I would have to check which song it was. Because I remember seeing a song in my research and I was like, that's not in the musical. That's not. It's probably Zombie Rasputin. <laughs> Likely. <laughs> Gleb. Sorry, spoilers. Rasputin gets turned into Gleb. Not in this version. But eventually he does. Eventually Gleb he becomes really Gleb. good songs. Oh, and you know they just wrote them because they had Raheem. Raheem? Raheem. Not convinced. There's, oh, there's In the Dark of the Night. Yeah, that's that. That's what it's called. It is just Rasputin's song. <laughs> yeah, so if you can't zombie Rasputin... You can't have. Mine's are just ridiculous. <laughs> Rasputin's away. The cast was for this reading was Kelly Barrett in the title role of Anya, Patrick Page as the villain role called Vladimir. Yep, slightly more political, I would say. Yeah, Angela Lansbury reprised her role as Empress Maria. Aaron Trevate would be Dimitri. Jesus Christ. Aaron Lazar would be Gleb. So Gleb was a character, but so was Vladimir. I feel like Gleb, here's my feeling. Uh-huh. Either Gleb was the same character, mm-hmm. like the same story of what his character is in the final um, production. Yeah. But just in a lesser role. Mm-hmm. So this character works very well as just kind of a random role. Yeah. Or maybe he was. Dimitri's friend, I can't remember his name. Vlad. Vlad. Yeah. Yeah, because like Vlad is short for Vlad is short for Vladimir. Maybe they yeah. just switched around Which the name. It's just a Russian name and has no political ties. No political ties. Um 
And Ben Crawford would also be there. What was he doing that? He was just in the ensemble. We love Ben Crawford. I was reading it. And I was like, okay. wait, I, I recognize that name. Ben Crawford? What are you doing here, my man? Yeah. For a moment, I thought it was Michael Crawford. And I was like, no, that's definitely not right. It's Ben Crawford. Um, there would be another workshop in June of 2015 when the character Gleb would be the villain, uh, the villain and Vladimir would probably just be Vlad as we know him today. Uh, around this time it would be announced that it would play Hartford with Draco Trezignac with yeah. him directing the show. Um he had just won the Tony for Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. He said about the development of the show from a movie to a musical. I we've kept I think six songs from the movie but there are 16 new numbers. We've kept the best parts of the animated movie but really it's a new musical which it is. Yeah. Like, it's really just taking these characters and, the, like, not even these characters, because as we said, zombie Rasputin is very more. But um, it follows the same plot of yeah. there is a girl who wants to escape Russia. There are two men who want to get some money by leaving Russia and pretending someone is the lost princess Anastasia. Yeah. And then it's actually Anastasia. That's kind of the basic plot. Yeah. And there's a guy trying to stop them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, They've basically just done that, but with different characters. He said, one of the best moments was that I talked about how the show takes place in St. Petersburg and Paris, and Bridges figure so prominently in the story of those two cities. Lynn was like, hmm, and showed up the next morning with a song called Crossing a Bridge. She heard what I said, and I didn't even know what she was going to do, but she came up with the song and the lyrics. It's great to be a part of that. Although casting had been announced for the upcoming production, Tristan Jack said, we're pretty much done with casting. About auditions, he observed, what's interesting is a generation of young women go out singing these songs, especially the Academy Award-nominated Journey to the Past. So it's a bit like auditioning for the Scarlett O'Hara. They would come in and couldn't control their voices. They were so emotional that they got to sing in front of the authors. Which, like, people love Journey to the Past. It's such a good song. There I'll was a... No, I mean, it's an amazing song. Um, there was an a interview by Lynn Ahrens. I'm not sure if I've included it in here, but apparently when the first preview happened and the first notes of Journey to the Past started, um, there was like a <gasps> of the audience because obviously they rearranged the plot so much, so you couldn't be sure that like it was gonna happen. Imagine if they just didn't have Journey to the Past. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't pay like. Fox enough money to include it. <laughs> yeah, they just scrapped it. <laughs> It'd be like Frozen without Let It Go, though. Yeah. You, know? you could come up with something else. They have Monster. Yeah. In the same way that they have, like, In My Dreams. Yeah. I think I, I'm saying they can keep um, Once Upon a December. Yeah. I keep wanting to say Back to December. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> it keeps, like, being on the tip of my tongue. Um, it would play Hartford between the 12th of May and the 16th of June 2016. Reviews of the Hartford run, Broadway World would say a distinguished creative team has a big hit in their rousing, heartwarming version of Anastasia premiering in premiering currently at the Hartford Stage Company, visually spectacular, beautiful song, accompanied story on trolls seamlessly against the backdrop of 20th century European history, elegantly presented. Um, the show has appeal for the romantics and history buffs, buffs and melody fans and dance aficionados and musical comforts. Oh, and the musical has no fewer than four sp- strong female figures that audience 
identify with, it is short of a potential blockbusters for all kinds of worthy reasons. That's very interesting, because as I said, there are a lot more characters than you would think, and a lot of them are female. I never really thought about that. I was like, that's, that's an interesting book. It's a very um, good show. <laughs> that's all you're going to say so much, though. It's a very good show. I love this show. Um, with, and then Variety would say, his first new musical since winning a Tony for A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, uh, director Draco Trezignac and librettist Terence McNally crafted, have crafted a show that embraces the power of myth, celebrates the resilience of survivors, and touches on the meaning of identity at home. All manner of for the stage, for the musical stage. Source material includes the 1956 film and the animated 1997 film with a tuneful score by Lynn, Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens. The missteps are minor with this show about identity tides and largely succeeds to find itself and a happily ever after of its own. So yeah, it, so the, the movie is based on that film. So the first movie is based on the 1956 film, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the musical is in turn kind of based on the original film as well. I think it's, there was a play. Yes. And then there was the 1956 film. And then there was the 1997 animated film. And then there was the musical. Like, I, I don't know. I could be completely wrong with this. But in the same way that Andy um, watched mm-hmm. the first Phantom movies when developing Phantom. Yeah. Is it, would it be like kind of the same? Like directly? Yeah, I would say. Because there's a lot of things that you adapt from like all the source materials, not just one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all of them are slightly different. Yeah. It would start performances on Broadway on the 23rd of March 2018, with the opening date being set for the 24th of April 2016, after 34 previews, with the cast being Christy Altamore as Anya, Derek Clanner as Dimitri, John Bolton as Vlad, Caroline O'Connor as Lily, Ramin Kiribalu as Gleb, Mary Beth Peel as the Emperor, as Dowager Empress Maria Vandova. Vandorova? Do you just copy and paste that bit? Yeah. Her name. Yeah, yeah. They never say her full name, I don't think. Or if they do, it's like right at the beginning. Hold on. And then I think they just call her like the Dowager. The Dowager Empress. Yeah, because that's her official title. I forget there's a young Anastasia. Yeah, she's a very important. Then there's like, there's a young Anastasia and then there's a middle Anastasia. Yeah. Very shrapped. They say her royal grandmama. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so if she's like referenced, it's just kind of like the royal. But there is a point where she's like announced. Is it during the ballet? Um, maybe. I feel like she's not announced at the ballet. Or is it because they don't? Do they meet? They meet? No, the ballet is very first person. Yeah. Press conference. I feel like if I was at a press conference, I'd say that's the title. If I, yeah, especially if you were the queen being announced at a press conference. I am the Countess Lily Malevsky Malevic, and this is Count Vladimir Pov. Oh, yeah. Because he scams his way into being a count. Well, he was he was he allegedly... scam, he marries rich. <laughs> no, he was, a, he was like living the Countess life over under imperialism. Yeah. My God, they never say her title. No. I don't think they did. I know she... They probably say it like in the script. Yeah, within like the libretto. Yeah. 
reviews reviews for this are interesting people were kind of mixed on it they were just a bit like yeah it's it's okay um with the new york times headline reading a princess brackets maybe with an identity crisis pretty good headline new york times have been kind of killing it the headlines like this review is entertaining to read the reviews for this were entertaining to read in a way like reviews rarely are um ben brantley really popped off with this one a music title character anastasia who may or may not be the long-lost daughter of the last russian czar isn't long-suffering in a isn't long-suffering a serious identity crisis in the postcard scenic show that bears her name which opened monday night at the broadcast theater has his own troubling case of multiple personality disorder Anastasia, which features a book by the acclaimed playwright McAnally and the songs by the Tony-winning team Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Aaron, shifts between the worldviews of both inspirations whilst pretending there is no disconnect. In the process, it evokes another kind of show altogether. I mean, those 20th century musicals, that must have sounded like a good idea at the time but tend to be remembered today but only by hardcore aficionados of the journey they are frothy but earnest shows that are distant huh the genre genre sorry journey. <laughs> they are frothy but earnest shows set in distant times in foreign lands with titles like martyr harry and pleasures and places such shows have a hard time squeezing their epic sized selves into corsets of book musical adaptations they usually died young. I don't see a similar fate for Anastasia. Anastasia may tap into the dewy-eyed demographic that make, makes Wicked such an indestructible, favourable for female adolescents. Those with such nostalgic installation are likely to find this a chore. It has remained, among other things, that bloody... It is a reminder, among other things, that bloody periods of history, like the Russian Revolution, do not naturally lend themselves to perky song and dance. And then they bring up examples like Lame is a Miss Saigon as being musicals about, like, bloody periods of history, but, like, being very depressing, so they can get away with it. Yeah. I felt like that was a very interesting review from the New York Times for once. Yeah. I'll be interested to talk more about that in four. Time Out gave it four stars, saying director Draco... Trezajek keeps the story swelling forward with help from Linda Cho's scrumptious costumes and Aaron Rhyme's crisp projections. The appealing central couple gets strong support from a cast that includes Ramin Karamalu as a Javert-like Soviet officer and a delightful comic relief in a quite dark story. The superb Caroline O'Connor is singing excellent throughout. In a season crowded with numerous calls, this one has maintained a modest profile, but Ha- now can the secret be told Anastasia is the richest and fullest family show to hit Broadway in years who knew Entertainment Weekly gave it B- minus. Um, this reviewer spent most of the time talking about themselves I and like because they were a fan of Anastasia okay so was I <laughs> um, the mix feels cohesive but nothing trumps their original journey to the past. An eventual radio hit at the beginning is left out entirely. Anastasia is Florentine's and Aaron's third time collaborating with book writer Terence McNally. Director Draco Trezajek won the Tony for Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, caters to his young audience with healthy, black, perhaps too healthy, healthily, a dose of superfluous ensemble sequences, including run-too-many-dream sequences and a tipsy dance at the Neva Club. 
Few thoughts ran through my disappointed mind as I chewed on my $8 peanut M&Ms. I am, am I too close to the subject matter? It is certainly possible. Anastasia was one of my favourite movies as a kid, and the soundtrack caused rent level obsession for me. Or 20 years later, I am frankly too old to buy into this hokey princess stuff. Despite my momentarily existential crisis, I am reminded of the goosebumps I experienced only recently during the magical productions of Aladdin and Cinderella which were Disney princess-esque as it comes. Compounding matters, my feelings about this Anastasia adaptation, which also draws inspirations from the Ingrid Berman starring 1956 production, in addition to the 1997 uh, animated film, I don't see being shared with the crowd. The theatre that was filmed with what appeared to be at least two full classes of elementary school students who audibly ooed during the kissing scene. I even spotted one woman crying well first of all why are you eating peanut m&ms in a theater <laughs> i'm sorry i thought it was a weird review yeah anyway guys here's my existential crisis that i had at anastasia the musical guys this musical about finding hope in the darkest times you know when your whole family's dead and you're they're threatening to kill you too you and don't you don't even... even know if that was your family yeah you just appeared it's one day. It's not as happy as Cinderella. <laughs> I don't like it as much as Cinderella. They didn't transform a pumpkin into a carriage. It's like it's it's not as happy as Aladdin. Yeah, guys, I was obsessed with it as much as I was obsessed with Ren, and I don't like it anymore. So it's bad. On. So, like I feel like <laughs> in some ways it's a fair review. Yeah, being, like yeah. everyone else liked it, I just didn't. Mm-hmm. And admitting being like maybe it's because I love the movie so much. Yeah. I feel like that's fair. However, it is also just kind of weird. I think my issue with this is that if it was a personal blog or like an independent theatre reviewer, I'd be a bit more like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, that's a normal yeah. review. But for these publications where you're much more expected to remove yourself as the viewer... Yeah, like, and- you can mention, like, people who were massive fans of the 1997 animated film you might be let down because it's not the same story as that and it's not got the same, like, spectacle as that. Mm-hmm. That's a fine thing to say because it's true. Mm-hmm. But you can't be like, as I'm eating my $8 peanut M&M's in a theatre. <laughs> I don't like it as much anymore. I don't I like, like it. The musicals better. I like the Disney musicals better because they didn't cause me to have an existential crisis. Like, come on. Which, it's fair enough, but I just, as I said... The reviews for this were entertaining to read. Was everyone just like, in the past Hamilton years, was everyone just like slowly losing their minds? Yeah. I think uh, COVID hit. And um, you it... stopped getting theatre reviews for like two years. So they all had time to like go outside. Yeah. <laughs> like calm down. <laughs> they re examined their uh, allegiance to Lin Manuel Miranda. Yep. Time for synopsis. Um, inspired by the beloved films, Anastasia transports audiences from the twilight of the Russian Empire to the euphoria of Paris in the 1920s, as a brave young woman sets out to discover the mystery of her past. Pursued by a ruthless Soviet officer determined to silence her, Anya enlists the aid of a dashing conman and a lovable ex-aristocrat. Together they embark on the epic adventure to help her find home, love, and family. Good synopsis. I like it. I like the home, love, and family because that's from Journey to the Past. Yeah. And it's not like she is the princess. Yeah. And so it leaves the mystery of ooh, what happens to her. I and do that... really like it because the spoilers for the end of the show 
yeah. I find the ending really weird. Like, I was shocked the first time I saw it. Yeah, no, we've never but watched it. I've, I've never watched a bootleg, and therefore I've never watched it, because never. I was, like, 12 when it came out. Um, I, almost, I, not... I almost saw it, though. Like, real talk. Really? I actually almost saw it. It was Thank either you. that or Frozen, and my dad wanted to go see Frozen. As bad as that reviewer. <laughs> Don't blame me, be my dad. He's gonna listen to this. Anastasia I have nothing a... against your dad. Anastasia had a longer rush line than Frozen did. Okay. Also, yeah, I think it's for the end of it. I think if I took him to a to a, a musical that like really doesn't talk that kind of has the Soviet Union going on, but like kind of ignores the reality of the Soviet Union, he would have lost his damn mind. Yeah, I think it ignores. <laughs> the reality of the Soviet Union. I think it ignores it. I just find the way that it talks about it so fascinating. Like, I think Rumor and St. Petersburg is quite a good depiction. Anyway, yeah. Jordan. Anyways, at the end. Yeah. Um, she doesn't, like, announce herself as the Princess Anastasia. No. I think in that sense, it becomes... It's meant to be like, oh, maybe this is what actually happened. Like, this is a real story. Yeah. Because it's meant to be, they say... The Princess Anastasia never existed. You know, mm-hmm. she died. It was like maybe the real Princess Anastasia is the friends well, they made say something along. Specific in the finale. And yeah. it's on the recording. No, it's like as of today, there will be no more Anastasias. The reward for her safe return will be given to charity. There never was an Anastasia. She was a dream, a beautiful dream. A dream only time will fade. So no more talk of the Grand Duchess Anastasia Romanov. The new order has no need for fairy tales. The case is closed. Still, and then they sing. Once upon a December. But basically, the plot is that she decides she wants to go and live with Dimitri. Yeah. Not as a royal. So mm-hmm. her grandmother knows she's alive. She still goes and sees her grandmother, allegedly. Yeah. We don't get anything past that. But it's like she's meant to just have a normal life. Well, I think like, not us not seeing her meet her grandmother is more interesting because what would they actually like? I'm pretty sure she does. No, I have this very specific image in my head of her bowing when her mother, grandmother walks in the room. I'm checking this. I don't... Again, never seen it, but my my view might not have been that oh, good. No, they do meet. Yeah, I feel I thought they did actually. The second I, I said that, I was like, "That's all." begins to pack, but she is interrupted by the Dowager Empress. Yes, who has come reluctantly to give her an opportunity. Uh, and you're shocked by the Dowager Empress's cruelty, asserting that she isn't the nan- the nana and you remembered. And then oh. she produces a music book, and she's like, "I am your granddaughter," and you're like, "Bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't imagine Christy Altamore swearing. I would love her to swear, even though like, she's. I'm gonna go rewatch the Anastasia vlogs. <laughs> no, I am. I am a part about that. Actually, the Anastasia vlogs. Um, she, even though she was literally Bedler in Spring Awakening, the first national tour. Yeah. So she definitely has swore. I just couldn't yeah, imagine. I just can't imagine it. It just doesn't um, compute. But I do like that ending more than the film because the film is very magical. It it it's not a Disney film. However, yeah. it feels very Disney, where she's like she becomes the princess and she lives happily ever after in Paris. In Paris, after killing Rasputin Paris. again. Oh, does she kill Rasputin? I believe so. <laughs> I might be misremembering that. But they yeah. Like, you're a maze and she kills Rasputin again. <laughs> do, you remember, um, do you remember that history class where we just were meant to be doing revision about the Russian uh, revolution and we just sat trying to work out exactly where Anastasia takes place? Yeah, because we it's were getting... the 1920s. Yeah, it's 1927 to be exact. 
because it starts in 1907, 1907, when yeah, you get the prologue, the grandmother leaves, and then the prologue is is all the way. So there's young Anastasia for the prologue. And then yeah. you have middle Anastasia when the Bolsheviks... No, when the Tsar's overthrown. Which was the Bolsheviks? Because the Bolsheviks didn't the actually Mexican. overthrow... The Bolsheviks didn't overthrow the Tsar alone, did they? It was with the Mensheviks. Yeah, it was the Bolsheviks, the Mensheviks, the SRs. Yeah, it was a coalition. <laughs> Guys, it's we... all coming back to me. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's going to all start coming In the back. In February 1917, yeah, the Bolsheviks along with the Coalition women's... of Other Lesser Cowards. On, on International Women's Day during World War One. Started on a march by the women of Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Guys. Oh my god, it is all coming back. It is all coming back. It's Anastasia's so good. Um Yeah. And then we are, and I, then I like I like it more. It's more realistic. Mm. No, it, it as one of them said, it definitely talks a lot more about the history of the show. About like the historical yeah. time period it's in than probably a kids' movie ever could. And um they I, I do think Rumor is really good. I like it as a like whilst the official opening number is the prologue, the actual yeah. here's the world that the show is going to take place in is rumor in St. Petersburg. Yeah. I like the way that, this is such a small detail that I'm probably reading too much into. You know how they go from like singing to like stage yeah. whispering at moments? Yeah. That's because in St. Petersburg. That's probably because one of the terror campaigns is about to be launched. I like, where is it? It's um, there's a great line in Ruby and Petersburg that I love. Some of the lines are so good. A brighter day is dawning, it's almost at hand. The skies are grey, the walls have ears, and he who argues disappears. disappears. St. Petersburg is booming, a city on the rise. It's really very friendly if you don't mind spies. We stand behind our leaders and stand in line for bread. We're good and loyal comrades and our favourite colour's red. That is such a good verse. That is such a description of what life was probably like, because... Again, if you haven't spent about five years of your life studying twentieth yeah. century Russia, first off, what's it like? Um, <laughs> please, tell us. please, we don't know anything. Five years of my life five. have just been about Russia. You've been to Russia. I've been to Russia. Is um, that they were like they were literally killing anyone who was like made any anti-Soviet joke and one example of this is Bim Bom the Clown. I can picture the textbook. Bim Bom the Clown. He was a clown that the Soviets killed for making an anti-Soviet joke. I feel like that review, I don't remember which one it was, but the review that was like, oh, history buffs and like, just like, princess fans. We'll get yeah. a lot out of this. I thought that was really true. Because <laughs> again, rumours St. Petersburg is so much fun mm. for like a history buff. And yeah, I like how it does kind of address the historical period really early on. Yeah, it kind of doesn't have to I explain re- I it. Like, I think it does very well the kind of like, like, Paris holds the key to your heart. So, mm-hmm. Well, that kind of the jump between oh, this horrible Russia, everything is wrong in Russia, mm-hmm. to Paris is beautiful and lovely. 
and it does kind of address that where it's like this isn't entirely true but paris especially then was kind of seen as like this haven of liberalism and freeness in a way russia was so moving away from because there was a couple of years there was like two years not even that like a year of the soviet rule which was actually pretty liberal (laughs) well you have people like alexandra kolontai who was the first woman to hold a proper position of government like abortions were happening people were doing whatever under communist rule without much restrictions but one thing i will say is that it does really one thing the musical does very well is talking about the themes of like home and home very very well yeah because i mean stay i pray you oh my god that song's amazing sorry i'm still looking at the reruns of peter's work the bit when they're like um <laughs> it was a truck backfiring comrade that's all it was those days are over neighbor against neighbor there's nothing to be afraid of anymore uh, you're shaking those t-shirts the steps right here. thank you what's your hurry i can't lose this job they're not easy to come by but thank you that also sets up like, gleb's fascination with Anya that's between Gleb and yeah, Anya it's also it sets up that there is a history because the reason that Anya gets scared by the truck backfiring is because she thinks it's a gunshot mm-hmm. which reminds her of the execution of her family yes and the like takeover of the um Bolshevik, of, by the Bolsheviks of her like family home but yeah. for everyone else they also have the same reaction mm-hmm. and I think the movie doesn't really do that it's just kind of this poor young girl is so traumatised because her family was killed and everyone else in Russia is fine. <laughs> Russia has had no inner political tra- turmoil at all in the past 10 Russia years. Russia is a booming company. Company? Country? <laughs> they didn't have any companies. It was all state-owned. But no, Stay I Pray You is hilarious. Not hilarious. Amazing. And very beautiful. Yeah. That's probably the best way I'd put it. I really love the show. It's such... I am going to listen to it. Like, I was listening to it um, earlier this week to prep for this. Yeah. So it was fine because you said to me, I could see you yeah. listening Yeah, we have an app where we can see what each other are listening to. And occasionally Ever. I'll just see her listening to the musical we're about to record. <laughs> it's often when like I'm like... yesterday, I was, she was listening to Anastasia. I'm like, okay. It's Anastasia tomorrow, I guess. If I forget what song we're doing, I can just check real quick. <laughs> like when I go, and then sometimes they send us fun notifications like, you and Nell are twinning. And I'm like, God, no, it's never anything good. Over the um spring, it was, it's not over now yet from Parade. That was pretty bad. Yeah. But God, no. I love my Petersburg. <gasps> my Petersburg. Oh, what a song. Dimitri's songs are so good, man. Rumor in St. Petersburg, yeah. My Petersburg, and then what's it called? Crowd of Thousands. Oh, Crowd of Thousands. Do you, I... Okay, do you want to know what my actual favorite song in Anastasia is? What? I, have, I think two. Okay. And they're the trio songs. Oh, like so number Learn one, to Do so It. So Learn to Do It. Yeah. And we'll go from there. Oh, I like We'll Go From There. I specifically love the bit, which is. Um, like, what a lovely day, what a lovely ride. Yeah. What is it? For a totally illegal getaway. Okay, my one issue with Anastasia is at times I did feel like there were maybe too many songs. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more songs than probably there need to be. I like the songs. Mm. 
it was just like when I was listening to it yesterday, I was like, great. like, there's not like if you ask me right now, there is not a single song that I could point out and be like, get rid of that one. We don't yeah. need it because I what? love all the songs. I think they're really good. I was looking my, at I think my problem. My problem with it is there are so many songs and they're all great, but most of the actual plot happens in dialogue that is not in the songs. The yeah. songs are just there. Yeah. So and- like, all of the songs make sense. Like Journey to the Past, Once Upon a December, all explains. I was explaining this to someone else. I was like, the, the difference between a musical and a play with songs is that in a musical, the songs are to do with the plot, which is yeah. how you get away with jukebox musicals. And often they drive the plot forward. Yeah, or they explain something. Like, it's basically a soliloquy a lot of times. A like, yeah, Journey to the Past is just a soliloquy for Anya. You don't have monologues. And it's the same with, like, My Petersburg. My Petersburg could literally be a monologue. Mm-hmm. If I just read it to you, it would be a monologue. Yeah. But um, they get to sing it. <laughs> and it's more fun Whereas that way. With song, which is why Footloose is not a musical. No, Dirty <laughs> Dancing is not a musical. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just the songs that are in the movie. Yeah, I, I mean... On my shelf. Um, I'm looking at the songs now. I think probably what I love about the, some of the songs you pointed out, like Learn to Do It and in a crowd of thousands yeah. is i love how they do the moments when anya is like remembering her own memories yeah especially in a crowd of thousands because that's the moment where yeah. he's like oh my god you are the princess anastasia and in um You're learn to do it i'm like i don't i don't think we told her that <laughs> she just starts going like and my dog was this and my little brother and it's like all of these little yeah. details they say something and she's like um, and I recall he had a cat. I, I don't like, believe we're talking about that. One thing I did see when I was just see when I was just reeling around Anastasia was um the fact that it was compared to the rain in Spain from My Fair Lady. Mm-hmm. And I might say, unpopular opinion here. I might like learn to do it a bit more. Yeah. I have actually seen My Fair Lady. I've not and I plan to keep it that way. It I don't understand the ending. Yeah. The set was sick. I think, okay, the thing I'm realising is there are so many songs in this show. And if you asked, if you told me I had to cut some, my go-to would be cutting some of Gleb's songs. And that's That's... not because I think they're bad, it's just because they're the ones I listen to the least. Yeah. So I don't have an, like, like, Still is a great song, but I just don't listen to it as much as I listen to the other ones. What's the one? The no. Do we need the Naver flows and then still? That's what what when I had the thought of there are too many songs in this musical was when I was listening to but it. The thing and, is, like, both of them are great songs. That's the thing. I was like, both of them are great songs, but they are kind of saying the same thing. There are too many of them. <laughs> I don't need any more descriptions about how Glenn's father killed the Romanov. Come on. Like that is a why would you tell? Like, it's just kind of thrown in there. You could so easily say, like, oh, in my dreams, because it was already just replacing Journey to the Past. In my dreams is such a good but song. in my dreams is such a good song, and it sets out the character. The very com- like I don't think people understand like Anya's actually quite a complex character to play because yeah. she has all these fragments of memories, and in my dreams is such a good way of conveying that right off the bat you're basically told everything you know about her. especially the female characters the male characters are really 2d <laughs> it's really funny gleb is an evil like, communist to be fair gleb is probably the most defensive character <laughs> yeah like, actually he's very he sees very evil but at the end he's very 
he's not very nice, but they like fix him. At the end, he's just like, at the end, he's like, if I, if my father asked questions, then where would we be? Yeah. And I'm like, and you know what? They're basically like, I don't want to turn into my father. He's also in love with Anya, which I still yeah. find really weird. He's like, in love. I don't know why that He's in love that. with her, but like, he also hates the monarchy. It's so strange. And he, like, you can tell that they got really into developing the Gleb character, though. I think he's really, like, I feel like what they were trying to do was explore, this is me doing what can source AMV tell us about, you know, <laughs> Russian this time period. God, I but hate I think those. they were really trying to explore, like, what the Russian psyche was like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. it's very, he's very much, I, I love the Soviet Union, I love the regime, you know. The propaganda campaign has been in full swing for a solid 10 years at that point. Yeah. And he's very much blatantly saying, like, I agree with this whole thing. But the reality Gleb, is, he really doesn't. Gleb loves Soviet realism. Yeah. And then they do it in a very, like, princessy way, where the re- he, he realises that this isn't the life he wants because he falls in love with a girl. Yeah, he um, falls in love with the Grand Duke. <laughs> I like the fact that, like, even in the playbook, she is, like, listed as Anya. I feel like that's very important, because yeah. she is... She, they say this at the end. Again, I actually really like the ending. She never becomes Anastasia. Like, her whole meeting with her grandmother, she never says, I am Anastasia. She says, I may have been Anastasia 20 years ago, but now I am Anya, because I've gone through 20 years without anyone. 20 years of being very confused about who I am, where I am, and what's going on, and why I can't remember anything. And that's why she doesn't, they say Anya doesn't, Anastasia doesn't exist, because she doesn't. She doesn't. Yeah. At least not anymore. Yeah, no, and people around her say, you are Anastasia. She never says the words, I am Anastasia. Yeah, I believe she really does in the movie. I think that's yeah. when she's killing Raspberry Town again. <laughs> I am she... Princess Anastasia. In Still the Neva Flows Reprise, which is an amazing tune, she says, I am my father's daughter. I want to look at the lyrics of that song because it is such a good song. Finish it. This is the thing. That's why we need both Still and the Neva Flows purely for the reprise. The reprise is great. The Land of Yesterday is fun. Again, am I sold that we need it and they're like yeah my parents and my brother and sisters in that stat area near Catherineburg all over again Ramin Karamalu I love him so much yeah we're massive fans of him if there is a villain that needs playing get him pull him up if you want like if you want someone to be like a morally complex villain that you like kind of feel bad about when they meet their ends call him call him in Javert Phantom Gleb. Gleb. Yeah, he's great. Sorry, I'll stop going on about <laughs> No, it's fine. It's, a, it's an appropriate time for you to talk about him. I love him so much. Um, um, like, I think some of the, like, what's her name? The Grand Duchess? No, the Countess. The Dowager. So there's the Dowager and then there's the Countess. No, no, no. Here's my it's the thing, again, a lot of the songs I would say are unnecessary actually aren't. I just don't care about them. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, all the Vlad and Lily songs I just <laughs> don't really care about. I prefer Land of I Yesterday. I think they're a great storyline. If I could lose either Land of Yesterday, like, you, like, pick between Land of Yesterday and what's it called? Countess and the Common Man. I don't think I have listened to the Countess and the Common Man in like a solid year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Quartet. I don't think it's a bad, like, if I listened to it right now, I would enjoy it. I would yeah. love the song. I'd be like, fun time. But I just didn't listen to it. <laughs> I feel I'm... like you could cut everything to win. Yeah, 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 100%. But then I don't think you could cut everything to win reprise, so you kind of need everything to win. Are you really like Anastasia's, like, uh, no, sorry, Anya's moments in Act Two? I really love Crossing a Bridge. In a Crowd of Thousands is also amazing. Quartet and the Ballet. You like it or you want to cut it? No, I love it. It's amazing. It's pure drama. When they are all singing at the same time, different medleys, I'm like, I love this. The press conference is actually very important to the plot. Please keep that. Yeah. We can go through. You have to keep the prologue because it's not really a song and it sets up everything. You have to keep Ruins for Petersburg. The prologue is more of an overture than anything. Yeah. You have to keep In My Dreams. You have to keep Learn to Do It. You could cut The Neighbor Flows. Yeah. But you shouldn't. You You have to keep My Petersburg. Yeah. You have to keep Once Upon a Petersburg. Yes. You have to keep Say I Pray You. You couldn't cut Say I Pray You. you. The way the, like, the choice to have acapella and only have the music come in at the end is amazing. You have to have We'll Go From There. Yeah. Again, this is my, both of, both The Neighbor Flows and Still are just my personal thing. You could cut them, but you shouldn't. I like having Galabaz fleshed out as he is for historical reasons. Let's cut Journey to the Past. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just cut it. Let's end Act 1 on still. Could you imagine? (laughs) You have to have Paris Holds the Key. It's a good act. I hate that I say it, Paris Holds the Key, because it's always saying Paris Holds the Key. Paris Holds the Key. Well, we'd sound ridiculous if we were like, Paris Holds the Key to your heart. You have to have Crossing a Bridge. But Crossing a Bridge closes the loop on something that's said in the very first song where she's like you'll come to paris we'll be friends we'll hang out in paris because your grandfather has a bridge named after him now yeah. so that's a very important moment you have to have crossing a bridge you have to have closed the door yeah land of yesterday in the land of... the what way happens that... in the land of yesterday the way that land of yesterday it's not very important it's just talking about life in imperial russia which i'm like i'm not sure if life in imperial russia was good unless you were like in the royalty you know what i think it is actually very important because it's kind of what we've been talking about interesting because the lyrics are let's live in the land of yesterday russia yeah let's put on the fancy clothes and let's while our woes away in russia land of yesterday yeah so basically re the vibe that you get from Land of Yesterday is that they've recreated Imperial Russia in a little bit of Paris. Another thing I want to say... I feel like you do need Land of Yesterday. This scrap, is the problem. Scrap Countess so and the common, common Man. You could probably just tack on a bit to Land of Yesterday. However, I, do, I think it is a nice song. I haven't listened nice. to it in like a year. <laughs> Cut two five minutes ago nice when you were song. going. <laughs> not listened to it in about a year. I have not listened to it in like a year, but I'm sure it's a lovely song. Mm-hmm. This is the problem with very talented songwriters. They are amazing songwriters. I said this right before we started recording, I think. The mm-hmm. plot of Anastasia is very basic. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can tell it was originally a kid's film. Yeah. You can very much... It's a very, very basic plot. Yeah. Which is why having as... Like, if the plot was complex, having as many songs as they do would be fine. It would make mm. sense. Mm-hmm. But it's because the entire original movie was done in six songs. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And now this one has like 20. <laughs> yeah, the recording has 25 songs actually. So they've like tripled the amount of songs. When I saw to this, get 20... the same point. Of... Yeah, and they and then they also cut a song from the original list. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So it's five. It's five songs that have been from the movie and five and 20 originals like, yeah, there are five songs in there that are crucial to the plot yeah you cannot and 20 do... songs that we can't remove because we like them too much. <laughs> it's very impressive but it's also insane it's also like mad yeah i get exactly what you mean one thing i would like to say moving away from the songs is the costume design costume design the set design the lighting the lighting in once upon a december Oh the my projections, God. the little train. Yeah, Lord. I mean, it's epic. Like, it's grand. Incredible. It's one of those things. I would never in my life say that Anastasia is my favorite musical. No. Like, I can think of 20 musicals that I would call my favorite over Anastasia, but I love every single aspect of Anastasia. But a lot of my favorite <laughs> musicals, I hate parts of. Uh huh. Like, Phantom, I will talk for years about bits of Phantom <laughs> I hate, but I'd still probably call it my favorite musical. Anastasia, there's maybe like so two wait, things wait. I can critique it on. No, the thing with Anastasia is it's just done very well. It it is musical theatre yeah. done to the highest level, and it's not doing anything revolutionary. Like we have looked at for especially the last two weeks with Come From Away and Great Comet, which were doing something revolutionary. In some way or another. Anastasia is like the most cliche kind of musical. Mm-hmm. It's just really good at it. Yeah, it's and, and it feels not original because it is so obviously based on something. It feels I, I actually, fresh. I really enjoy that we're doing weeks where my entire input into <laughs> the episode can be me saying, I really love this musical. This I love this musical. Uh-huh. This is a really good musical. Mm-hmm. that's basically all I've said for like the past three episodes and then occasionally being like Phantom <laughs> and that's kind of been it it's a fun fact and it's going to keep going on right? the list of musicals we're doing up till Christmas we've got one more until keep... we've, we've actually got one more until Christmas oh my god wait can I say what it is because it's also by Lynn Aarons I fucking love it I already know some of the songs we're watching A Christmas Carol, the musical. We We've not watched it yet, but we're watching it's, it this week. It's on YouTube, if anyone wants to watch it. I'll probably link it. It's a 2004 uh, yeah. Christmas Carol, the musical. I'm excited. Yeah, Alan Menken wrote the music and then Lynn Aarons did the lyrics. I'm going to fucking love it. I'm I also so just excited. love A Christmas Carol. I love Christmas. I'm in the Christmas spirit this week, guys. Christmas the recording started. Seven days. Yeah, now has a countdown going. I do. I have a nutcracker that has a countdown on it. I bought it from Aldi. <laughs> um, but no. When this releases, it'll be twenty days because this is going out on the fourth. Okay, so twenty-one days. Oh yeah, twenty-one days. Sorry, I was counting kind of confused. Yeah, this is how do we? Cause again, the Christmas vibes for this so- this show is basically just they have a song called "Once Upon a Time." Cold. <laughs> Same as last week's. Russia and cold, and then a song called December. 
there's more well, of a link I'm, this like, week. I'm, yeah i'm specifically going to go and listen to it because it is christmasy to me mm-hmm. yeah also it's just a good time and it's like not depressing because yeah like a lot of musicals are really actually quite depressing i mean when you were saying earlier the other musicals they've written yeah jesus yeah, Ragtime is quite depressing. I love Ragtime, actually. I've even read the book that it's based oh, on... Ragtime's it. great. It's not that bad. The book? But it's pretty sad. Shit. No, it's it's really quite sad, actually, Ragtime. I want to do a revival of it. Do a revival ragtime of Ragtime. Once on this island. I don't think Once on this island is happy. I don't think it's I don't think it's sad. I think it's just quite deep. Yeah, that's what I think it is. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like deep in it. I fucking love Anastasia. Love um, Anastasia. Again, shout out for the for the costumes. I was looking at photos of them when I was putting this together. Um, like undoubtedly there are going to be criticisms of it. Like we saw in some of the reviews earlier that there were criticisms, and I think a lot of them are justified. Except for that person who was just like, "Yeah, I um I had an existential crisis at it. Didn't give me the warm and fuzzies." <laughs> but I think even that is kind of like I wouldn't necessarily use justified, but I guess it kind yeah. of is. Yeah, no, I don't. You I know, get what... it's like it's a very different musical to what the animated film. Is. I get what they were trying to say with that, and they never said it was bad. Yeah, like they were like everyone else enjoyed it. It was a good musical. Yeah, it's just it's a very it's a very safe musical. No, I yeah, I get what I, yeah um, it is a very safe musical. It's a very marketable musical because one mm. memory I have with Anastasia is going to a mall in New Jersey. And, like, you know how sometimes in the middle of, like, shopping centres and stuff, they just have, like, those massive, like, they have, like, those, like, I know, like, yeah. billboards. They're basically billboards almost, but they're, like, freestanding in the middle of the shopping centre. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when I went to the mall in New Jersey, all of them just had Anastasia posters on them. I kid you not. I also think the Anastasia Everywhere poster is where really I looked. I love the poster. I love how, like, she's turning away from... She's got, like, a back to the camera. So, as you said, there were some changes made. And I've got some quotes about why they were made. From, like, Lynn Aarons and, like, Terrence McNally and um, Stephen yeah. Flaherty. Which I thought might be interesting. Like every single song was changed. I, I literally every single plot point. No changes that were made to the show. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they talk more specifically about the reasoning for moving Journey to the past, with saying, mm. um, within its new placement in the musical, Journey to the Past became more of an I want song. Because the whole first act is about her desperation to find out who she is. And in this moment, she's like, now I'm on the brink. Now it's beginning. What I've wanted is coming true. And I'm almost there. It changed the function a little bit from the movie to the stage show. We felt really excited about the new placement of the song on Broadway. Because we felt like it was a moment that needed to be earned. In the film, Anya sings the song right out the gate. Which, like, if you make people wait for Journey to the Past... Is going to make it even more exciting when it happens. Can I analyze something for a second? Go ahead. Well, just want to let you know new release from Laura Osnes. Oh, for fuck's sake, what's she done? Um, is it her a second part about cancel culture and how America hates Christians? No, it's my favorite things. Oh, what's that's actually that's like normal Laura Osnes behavior. It's like old, uh, yeah, it's like 2019 Laura behavior. You're gonna have to bear with me in this bit. Yeah. But as, like, themes, mm-hmm. Journey to the Past and Once Upon a December are both about the past. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Literally in the name, you can tell that. Yeah. And so a lot of their, like, motifs and the lyrics specifically from Once Upon a December yeah. um, are used a lot throughout the show. Like, right at the end, they sing a little bit of Once Upon a December again. Mm-hmm. Um, every time they sing it, it seems dreamlike as if they're remembering the past. Yeah. When they open... I might be wrong about this, but the it's music the music box. Plays once upon a... Yeah, that's it where the, that's where the initial tune comes from. But as the show goes on, Anya sings those songs less and less. Yeah. When other people are singing once upon a December, she is not. Yeah. Um. And I think that's important for her character, and I feel like that's why I like the placement mm-hmm. of. Uh, journey to the past better in the musical yeah it's like saying, when it's right at the beginning it's like the first song she sings yeah but it's very dramatic and it, it makes sense in the movie yeah like it's very but it the lyrics are also a little weird for what she's doing because she's just going into town yeah <laughs> one um, step at a time one hope then another off i go to saint petersburg I had first first thing I was like, does she know she's going to the audition? No, she just. Turned. But in the musical, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because even then, if yeah. you take Once Upon a December as an ensemble song, and it's across the whole musical, but Journey of the Past is Anya's song. Mm-hmm. It's still about moving forward. Yeah, it's all like, um, who knows where this road may go. Yeah, moving forward. Like the, oh, the specific line is um. Back to who I was on to find my future. Yes. Things yeah. my heart still needs to know. She needs to find out who she was so she can move on. And that's what she does. And that's Anya's, yeah, and that's Anya's character. But apart from maybe like Dimitri and Gleb, yeah. every other character just wants to stay in the past. Mm-hmm. That's what Land of Yesterday is about. Actually, guys, we've cracked the code, Land don't cut yes- anything. <laughs> we've done it. Land of Yesterday, Once Upon a December, all of um, the Grand Duchess's songs. Mm-hmm. Grand Duchess? What is her title? Dowager? So there's a... Grand Duchess yeah. is Anastasia. Grand Duchess is Anastasia. Emperor Dowager is... And then there's... Dowager the Empress. Dowager Empress. Da- Dowager Empress. And then there's the Countess. Yeah. The Dowager Empress. We didn't stu- was... study empirical Russia, don't, so don't ask us about them. I think... Actually, thinking about it, I think they all kind of move on. Yeah. Like, specifically the finale... Yeah, like, we want to live in the past, we want to stay in this happy place. And then Anya turns up. Yeah. And she's like, I want to move on. I want to, you know, be happy and live my life. And I, I want to be tied down to being a I want to bury the princess Anastasia. Yeah. And I think that the way they do it in the musical of being like, Anastasia doesn't exist. She died with her family. Mm-hmm. Um, Ignore this girl, Anya, who's just turned up <laughs> and is now friends with the Emperor Dowd. Ignore this the woman Dowager who's... Empress. Oh my Sabu. god. Don't ask her questions about Ign- her childhood. Called... Don't worry about it. <laughs> but they all kind of move on. Like, I do think it's a little weird. I don't actually remember the staging for the finale, but from the soundtrack, it does heavily sound like the Dowager Empress and Gleb are, like, speaking together. I think they're on, like, opposite sides of the stage. It might be. I have a memory of it being two separate, like, press conferences. But yeah. the way it's done in the recording makes it sound like it's one. 
No, I think it is like, two why steps. Is, why is she friends with Sadia? <laughs> why? Oh god. Um, are you are you is that your analysis over? Because it's very good. Oh, no. Thank you. I just think it's they said this right at the beginning, and we've kind of skirted around saying it explicitly again. But the musical is about hope. It is. Like people want to believe that Anastasia was alive and she survived and she had a normal life outside of being that. And the musical does exactly that. But it also gives you, the audience, and the characters within the canon of the musical, the closure that Anastasia was alive. Yeah, because I think people would like to believe that someone wasn't brutally murdered in the way that she was. Um, also, it's a good, it's a good like story. She anyway, was, to be clear, to be clear, Anastasia did die. did die. The real life princess Anastasia <laughs> was killed by the Soviets. Um, but like people, like people like to have a hope like that. It's the same kind yeah. of thing that like. And I don't want to be the one to compare Come From Away and Anastasia. Well, yeah, I knew you were about to go there. But you, <laughs> you know what I mean. I know what you mean. It's like we like stories of hope against adversity. Let's say yeah. that. And a lot of time that hope is kind of like clinging onto the past. Like, it's like bad stuff. Comparing <laughs> it to all the 2017 like, musicals today. I love Bandstand too. I can't wait to talk about Bandstand at some point. Yeah. But all of them are like, the initial thought of hope is the hope that it will go back. I'm supposed to be mentioned Bandstand because I'm going to use the phrase just like it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, which is specifically from Bandstand. And that's In like, my memory. That's the actual phrase. Yeah. That kind of is, is what comes across in rumour in St. Petersburg because it's actually like Leningrad. St. Petersburg doesn't exist at that point. But it's this idea, they all kind of start, like Land of Yesterday, they all kind of start with this idea they'll go back to the way it was before and everything will be fine. And then by the end, they realise things have changed and they move on. They don't lose hope at any point. Mm-hmm. They're kind of doing bandstand. In most other things, they don't lose hope. Yeah. That there is, even if individual characters do, overall there is a feeling that things will get better, whether that's because they're going, they're reverting back or because they change. Yeah. I think that's important. Especially when you're doing it in a kids' musical. Because Bandstand and like Come From Away are pretty mature musicals. They have higher like demographics. Yeah. Like you could take a kid to see either of them. They wouldn't get it. Honestly, they probably wouldn't they understand would. like the deeper meaning of it. Whereas around Sage they probably would understand it a little bit more. Um so the biggest challenge, according to Lynn Aaron's was um 20th century flop uh, flop flops 20th century flop Come 20th century flops <laughs> because the move uh companies move slowly one by one becoming interested in taking their films and making them into stage musicals i think that fox slowly came to realize that they had great movies that might translate well to the stage we got people on board kevin mccomb who is now working at Fox developing some of their movies. I think that coming together for a movie company and a theatre company, I've been wanting to do it. Yeah, they had to like go and present this to Fox and be like, hey, so you know your your movie Anastasia, we've rewritten it. We're going to use its name and some of the songs and put it on the stage. Didn't they already write it? No, they, they'd written it. They'd written like the new the new stuff for the musical, and then they had to go present it to Fox and be like, "Are you but didn't they also this? write the old 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how they got the rights to do it. We've rewritten some of our work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you are the rights, so we've got to ask you. There's a new structure. We were really excited about it. We had to present it to 20th Century Fox. They could have said yes or no. And we just felt very excited in a way to go. Luckily, they agreed. We made a conscious need to tell the story a different way that was more respectful or more based in real history, as we've said. Lynn has gone, and the bat is gone. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. Talking about Rasputin, zombie Rasputin. Um, Lynn Aaron said he's gone. The bat is gone. They were going to be our cabaret act, though. So I think before it was the ballet, mm. the cabaret act. We were going to bring them back and have a little homage here and all there. Basically, there's a new character that represents a communist regime, more contemporary, more contemporary figure. He's in post-revolutionary Russia. He's a Czechist. Damn. As they called them. The school's really interesting. For example, there's an opening number in the movie called Rumor in St. Petersburg. We kept that, but it's completely rewritten and opened up. Yeah, I listened to the old version of Rumor in St. Petersburg. This one has, like, one of the musicals has a lot more historical, like, fact. Yeah, I think it's, it's a lot more historically accurate. It's a lot more fun for people like you and me, who for five years have had to deal with historical accuracy. <laughs> I do kind of have to shut my brain off a little bit when I listen to it. I would not think too much about the history of it. I think it's fun when you really think about the history of it. We did but once really think about it. Okay. Only if you listen to it, not in a way of trying to like disprove it. I'd be like, this bit's wrong, this bit's wrong, and this bit's wrong. But in a way of, if this has to be correct, yeah. how does it fit in? Yeah. Which is what we did. We were like, when specifically does Anastasia take it? I think our teacher was <laughs> actually came up and was like, girls, you know, Anastasia isn't a real story. Like, it's a movie. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. However, it does take place in 1927. It happens. Like, and then we were like, here's how. And she was like, okay, at least you've like used your knowledge from the course. To like, like, if it has to exist, how does it happen? I was like, yeah, the five-year plan had been launched, so there wasn't a great famine yet, but they were still recovering. (laughs) They were probably doing better than in the cities and the countryside. They had entirely closed the borders, so there was still a chance to escape. Because Stalin hasn't hadn't got his full control yet, and he hadn't launched the Great Terror. Yeah. See, (laughs) obviously the famous General Gleb was there. (laughs) But Gleb was like into the revolution. Um, um, it's more theatrical song as uh, now as opposed to a fun song in an animated movie. And Journey to the Past, one of the most famous songs, and the song that got Oscar nominated, has been moved to a different place in the score. I think it's gonna be more effective and like in, uh, new stuff. Stephen Flaherty said that's where the real excitement was going back in and seeing the things you loved, but also thinking how will this function on stage? How can we make this? The character of Anya and the trajectory in the stage version is huge. And with the exception, I think, two of two scenes, she ha- is on stage all the time. I mean, it's like the Olympics. The quick change before, like, at the ballet. Not at oh. the ballet. That's from a fucking company. No, it's not from a company. No, it's from a chorus line. Chorus line. That's all I'm thinking Yeah. Beautiful song. Oh. But before the ballet bit, yeah. They change her from a beautiful dress into an even more beautiful dress. Oh, very the quickly. blue dress. I'm obsessed with. Um, I'm going to go watch that clip right now. Anya, of course, is a character who was meant to go from the old, ro- uh, old world of the Tsar 
and so on and is born into that into a new world to discover herself in that new world she's a lost character that's going to find out who she is and what she really wants in the world um what's more realistic to the history and i think is a wonderful thing to have come into the show Terrence McNally was a lot more blunt about the historical inaccuracies of the original show, of the movie. He just said, Rasputin died before the before the Russian Revolution. So it bothered me so much historically that he was left in. Rasputin in his batch. Yeah, the film got around this pesky anchorism by having Rasputin rise from the dead to hunt down Anastasia, but that wasn't going to fly with McNally and Aaron's and Flaherty were only too happy to welcome McNally's new antagonist, Gleb, the Czechist police officer torn from the ideals of the revolution and his attraction to Anya. So I still do find the attraction being his like turning point a little weird. Yeah, not like the oh, whole that great character. Yeah, Terrence McNally, like, I think he is the reason we have Gleb. I would never watch a bootleg. However, one may have accidentally started playing. <laughs> Mysteriously, as we were talking about this. Seriously, the set is beautiful. The music is beautiful. It's just, it's just amazing. Like I don't know what else to say at this point. The light, the lighting in this bit, how you can tell it's like getting dark. Yeah. Anywho, oh God, how they do the theater, Phantom could never. Oh how my God! How to set the it Phantom and Phantom set in a theater. Yeah, it does. The theatre is really genius. I'm obsessed with it. They just have the it's boxes. A massive stage. Yeah, it is. It, it like they just have the boxes on the side of the stage. I could not find any information about like the financials of the show, which was like mm, interesting. But I guess it's not normal for us to know exactly how much like of a recoup it had. I, great comment. So for the last okay. time until February, twenty twenty four, time to talk about the twenty seventeen Tony Awards briefly. Oh dear lord. This time it's going to be quick. It's going to be so quick. It would get nominated for two Tony Awards, being Best Performance in a... It should have at least won both. Best Performance by a Featured Actress in a Musical for Mary Beth Peel, and Best Costume Design for Linda Cho. I, I, like, costumes are amazing. I do find it interesting that... Okay, I... Yeah, what were you going to say? I agree with both nominations. However, there should have been more. It's Anastasia. (laughs) What would you have given it? Knowing so intimately, like what was what was nominated for what in twenty seventeen? I right, hold on. I'm going on the Wikipedia page and I'm gonna see. Um, I could probably name you some of them just off the top of my head because I spent so much time thinking about it in the past three weeks, three four weeks. So first of all, I think objectively, Darren Hansen should not have won Best Musical. No, and Anastasia definitely should have been nominated. Interesting. I I'm not gonna say if it should have won because I think Come From Away, Groundhog Day, and Great Comet. And then I would add Anastasia are all very strong contenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder whether or not it would have been better if it stayed off the season, but then it wouldn't have had to compete with Frozen. And so I was like, nah, that's kind of when it should have. Anyway, I do feel like they should have at least got a nomination for leading actress. That's what I was thinking. And then I remembered how stacked it was that year. But like, Matt Midler, Danae Benton, Christine Ebersole, Patty Lapone, and even the Blizzarder. Yeah, you can't not give them all Tony noms for what they were doing that season. I do also think that objectively Ben Platt should no Platt, of course. However, he should not have won Best Performance by a leading actor in a musical. You think it should have gone to our man Andy? Well, okay, again, he's up against Christian Boyle, Josh Groban, Andy Carl, and then David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. I feel like I would say Derek Clement should have gotten a nom. In I would have probably been in featured. 
over Mike Feist. That's true. No disrespect to Mike Feist at all. Love Our friend who we saw on a bike on a bike on a street corner in Camden. Um, love Mike Feist. Love Mike Feist. It's, okay. If you guys don't know the that story, we saw him on a bike corner in Camden. Um, yeah. Biggest one for me, and this is going to be a bold statement. Okay. Pascal Paul should not have won best original score. Right. Okay. Anastasia should have. <laughs> Even knowing what it was up against. I feel like the score of Anastasia is so incredible that I would give it the 2017 Tony for best score. Believe you just said that. Which is a bold statement. That's the boldest hot take. Uh, okay. Everyone's like a hot take, hot take, and I'm like, no, Nell's just actually said the hottest take ever. Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna talk you through this. Okay, Immediately yeah. we're getting out to your Hansen because it's not <laughs> the best original score by any means. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Groundhog Day. I fucking love Groundhog Day. I cannot wait to talk about it in the end of year review. I love it so much. I think it's incredible. The score is nothing special. It's a great okay, yeah. score. The songs are great. I mean, Tim Minchin's best is Away From Tilda. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing, and this is also, this is insulting for me to even say, and I admit that. It sounds similar to Dervin Hansen in that it's just kind of poppy music. Yeah. I think Groundhog Day has a certain, you know, class to it that Dervin Hansen has. <laughs> but ultimately, they're just the same style. And that's not a bad style. Like, I'm not even saying the Dervin Hansen score is bad. I think the yeah. Dervin Hansen score is pretty good. It's a fine score. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it, but I hate it more because it's Dervin Hansen. Yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. score is fine, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, come from away. Mm-hmm. I think is great and I love it and I think the music is incredible. Yeah. It's quite simplistic and I think that works really well for company. There's nothing that grand about it. Like it's not got a massive orchestra. Yeah. It's not like a very traditional music. It's like I think that works great for what it is. It really tells a story. It does it perfectly. And in yeah. that sense, I do think it deserved a nomination for best score because yeah, yeah, yeah. it all works perfectly with what the plot is. Mm-hmm. I don't think that makes it the best original score. Interesting. It's a strong contender. Interesting. Great comment. Now. This is where it gets tough. Yeah. Because I... Okay. For me, personally, I think it... If I could decide personally, it would have been closer between Come From Away and Anastasia. Okay, yeah. But that's purely because I like those two more. I that's not objectively, more. it's just... That's not objective at all. And I think Great Comet has an incredible score. Yeah. You know, we talked about it a lot last week. It's beautiful. It works so well. Uh-huh. But it's a lot. Yeah. A lot is happening. At times, it feels... And I know last week I was praising Great Comet to Helen back. Yeah. I love Great Comet, and I will continue to praise it. But I think the Anastasia score is more cohesive. Uh-huh. Like, we were just talking about the themes. The amount of times you'll hear Once Upon a December, and then you'll hear it less and less as they come to terms with change. Yeah. You know, how all of the songs interact. Mm. They all sound... Cohesive is the best word in comedy. And I'm going to make it clear very now. 
I, from an objective standpoint, mm-hmm. Anastasia should not win. Yeah. Like, for every single musical, I can make a better case than the one I've just made to defend Anastasia winning. <laughs> yeah. For every single other musical, I can say, this is why it should win. And it would be a stronger case. But yeah. for me, personally, Anastasia should have won best. This score. is in the world in which you're queen of the Tony Awards. Now, here's another tough one. Scenic design. Great Comet all the way. No one else had a Cold I do War think bunker. Great Comet. No one else had a Cold War bunker. Bit. I'm sorry. No, no one else. Okay, if Anastasia had actually built a Cold War bunker, then sure, give it to them. They both could have done it. They could have. I think that Anastasia deserved a nomination at the very I least. did. If, I, I think like, that, that trailer's sick. Costume design, I'm so glad they got their nomination. What the hell was Hello Dolly doing that was better? I think they just needed to give Hello Dolly something. Else. Like, fine, costume. I, I'm gonna go. Hello Dolly won a featured actor. Yeah. It won leading actress. Yep. And it won I best revival. Think and Hello, it won best revival. Hello Dolly was a bigger deal than we realised. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. The costumes are amazing. Lighting of the musical. All right, get Dear Evan Hansen out of there. What did they light up? Screens. <laughs> it's a lot of lighting. Give Anastasia a nomination. Direction. Come from away deserved that win. One hundred and ten percent. Yeah, come from away. Great comment. Or like, oh, fine. Give it to Michael Grife because he does deserve a win because he has done some amazing pieces of theatre. But not Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, but give it to someone he deserves it for. Then go back in time and give it to him for next to normal, please. Anyway. Choreography? I still don't believe that Bandstand won. <laughs> but there it is. Um, I guess my question for this is what are they including in choreography? I don't think it deserves choreography. Because, here's my question. In some senses, I can see staging being classed as choreography, in which case Bandstand does that very well. But so does Come From Away. And so I understand that. And then I understand that for, like, Bandstand. And then I understand that for, like, Come From Away. Because Come From Away is not dance-heavy, but it's choreograph-heavy, you know? Like, all the movement of the chairs, all of the movement of everything else. Yeah. The problem is, I don't understand what their, like, um, criteria is. Yeah. Because if it was just dancing, yeah. put Anastasia up there. I'm not saying it deserved to win. Give Bandstand that <laughs> singular win. This is the first time I've seen it mentioned. <laughs> it only got one nomination, I think. I don't want it. So... I'm just going to look at that. <laughs> Two nominations, one win. What the hell are they what nominated, nominated for? Hold on. Um... I don't see it. Probably not best musical. No. No. You know for a fact it won't best musical. <laughs> Bandstand their singular win, sure. But put, like, I don't understand the criteria, so I can't say, like, put Anastasia on. But if it was just dance, I would say put Anastasia on there. Yeah. But I think Anastasia more so deserves a nomination for Best Direction. Yeah. But I still think Come From Way should win that. Best yeah. Orchestrations, Dear Evan Hansen. Fine. Oh, Oh, they got it for best orchestrations. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But it went to Darren Hansen. Yes, loud. Now, keep in mind, Darren Hansen won, it shouldn't have. I defended that Anastasia should win best original score. Mm. So I will concede orchestrations to Great Comet. I can't lie, the only one where I'm like, it's so sad that there weren't more slots 
is for best leading actress for Christy Altimore. Oh yeah. And I think it was genuinely just because there just weren't enough slots. I'm being very cynical towards Hello Dolly. Yeah. That Midler. You that Midler needs her Tony. Midler. And you can't not nominate. You take her out. Patty Lapone is on there. You take out Patty Lapone. Danae Benton is on there. You take out Danae Benton. Even Double Water is on there. I love you, Christy. You were incredible. I love you so much. You were not getting that Tony. <laughs> It was not a chance. Like, 2017 was just such a stacked year in, like, the f- most fun way. It was crazy. But well, yeah, that's... I haven't felt alive since it, really. Really? <laughs> anyway, are we, are we ready to move That's on? my hot takes on this. On yeah, Anastasia's place in the 2017 Tony. And we will bid goodbye to the 2017 Tony Awards. For a couple of months. When we do Groundhog Day and Bandstand, I will revoke all of ours. Like, Anastasia <laughs> deserve nothing. It depends Anastasia on the show. Anastasia, bottom of the barrel, Groundhog Day on top, and then we'll do Bandstand, and I'll say Groundhog Day deserve nothing. Bandstand on Um, But we are bidding goodbye to our good friend who's been so kind to us for, for over the last two, three, three weeks now. Yeah. Tony We'll be, we'll be back in February. We'll be back in February. We'll be back in February. We'll be back until the end of time talking about the shit show. There's so many parts. Maybe of one it. day we'll do Hello Dolly and then we can talk about it again. Maybe. Maybe we could find like the broadcast and react to it. Oh, we absolutely should. That could be funny and we could turn it into like a drinking game. Sometimes I'm like, when we talk about drinking, I'm like, I do feel the need to say that the drinking age is 18 in, in the UK. Yeah. So the cast album will be released on the 9th of June, twenty seventeen. Then they would have a viral release, vinyl release in twenty eighteen, with which featured a duet with Liz Calloway, which was sweet. It was like Chrissy Atwood and Liz Calloway singing. It was yeah. very sweet. Um, and the stage on social media, they didn't do anything revolutionary, but they had some clips of the cast recording the album. That with the most viewed one being a crowd of thousands, which has five point seven million views. I can picture it in my mind. Exactly, I can picture it in, yeah. Like, the second I found it, I was like, oh my god, I remember the blue top Christy Outdoor is wearing. Yeah. And then the next one would be the 20th anniversary performance of Jenny to the Past, which I think was just Christy Out- Can you picture that as well? Yes. It's Christy Outdoor still on stage, and they've got the projections behind her. Not the projections, the movie playing behind her, actually. And that would have 2 million views. And then the third one was Journey to the Past, which just performed normally, which has 1.4 million. That's a lot of views. Mm. Anyway. The... It, it did very little, but it, what little it did, it did well. Exactly. Um, Christy Atwell's Broadway.com vlog would be called Royal Misfits. And it would average around 155,000 views, with the highest viewing one being 436,000. I love Broadway.com vlogs. I heard a rumour, I heard a, some person on TikTok say that they're allegedly coming back. With who? I don't know. <laughs> We're bringing Laura Osnos back, and she's relaunching the Broadway.com vlogs. <laughs> no, just bring Christy Altimore back! I can't wait until we do bandstand so I can talk about the Laura Osnes bandstand vlogs. I actually really I prefer the Christy Atmore vlogs if I'm going to be honest. I think they are objectively better. Yeah. But the Laura Osnes ones are so near and dear to my heart. Unfortunately. 
Because I can't look at anything modern to do with Laura <laughs> You can't look at her and her circus tent and cancel culture. And Ben <laughs> Shapiro's Bluey. Tony Simpson would join the show on the 29th of December and would extend his run for six weeks. Um, He would initially do eight weeks and then he would extend it again through to the 14th of April. 2018, I believe he joined the show. It, it was like a weird stunt cast, but I was reading an interview with him where he was like, yeah, I kind of wanted to do Broadway for a while. And I started auditioning for some stuff. And they were like, do you want to do Anastasia? And I was like, he was like, fair enough. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I feel like he was in a lot of like Nickelodeon original movies. Yeah, that sounds familiar. So yeah, um, it would announce its last performance on the 5th of February 2019 after two years on Broadway. The last performance would be set for March 31st, 2019. And one thing I will say about Anastasia, it is actually quite impressive that it lasted as long as it did. Yeah. Because as we were talking about, something like Bandstand didn't last that long. There are a few shows that last that long when they opened in that time period. You were either like a massive blockbuster hit that like everyone like loved, or you like closed within eight months. Yeah, and Anastasia was a weird in between. Yeah, where it got mixed reviews, but it had, it had a way of drawing people in. Please bring it to London. I want to go see it. I want to go see it. Um, it would go on to have a national tour and international productions in the Netherlands, Japan, Finland, Austria, Brazil. Mexico and Greece. There would no be London. no London. London. Bring it, bring it to the West End. Please. I feel like they could put it in one of those big ass houses, the Dominion, for like a for like a couple of months. Here's the thing: I'd love to never watch a bootleg. And earlier, you may have heard me say the one accidentally started playing. And when I happened to glance at that, the stage there is huge and the set is massive. Yeah, and I feel like with Anastasia, you could only go bigger. Yeah, you couldn't scale down that set. No, don't you dare. Don't even, unless you're making it grand, grander, don't talk grander, about that. Grander, yeah. So we have to stay on. Yeah, bring it to London. Bring I want to see it. London now, please. Um, And there would be amateur rights available for the show, with there being like a specific 90 minute version, 60 minute version for like small children. Um, I see a lot of like high schools starting to perform it, which it's is fun. So weird, I found that Anastasia was never like jumped upon by high schools. It's kind of a perfect high school show, but yeah. for some reason, I have seen so many. I don't know if they're actually high schools or just like local theaters, but so many of them going ride the cyclone. But I feel, I feel as though ride the cyclone had a very high peak around this time last year. Yeah, we were there. We were there. We watched it. We loved it. We were there. We were watching it and we were going, oh my god, this is so weird. We're so back. <laughs> this is the best quality film. I've never watched it like. This is the best quality one I've ever seen. We had to show our friend. No, because we don't watch bootlegs, but we might have had to show our friend, allegedly. This didn't really happen. A normal quality bootleg. We in depth to describe. Almost to the point of visualising on a TV screen. A bootleg. <laughs> so she could see what it may have been like. What 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 the trenches really were. Like the kids. Yeah. The kids it today. The, it was the Bonnie and Clyde bootleg. It was the Bonnie and Clyde bootleg. <laughs> the kids today don't know the trenches that we were in. Yeah. All two pixels of the Bonnie and Clyde bootleg. <laughs> Do you remember that edit I sent you? That was a 
big loud West End. And it was like starting from the bad quality. And I was like, anyway, we can get into the state of affairs of bootlegs, which we don't watch, by the way. A different time. No, what should be like. Um, yeah, bring it to London. I'm going to talk about bootlegs in the end of your review. Yeah. Yeah, I have some thoughts. Um, yeah. Kids, if you're listening, please learn some bootleg etiquette. Um, yeah, and love Anastasia. I stand by all of my 2017 parties. <laughs> <laughs> Until the 5th of... um. Until we do another 2017 Tony show, and then I will change all of my opinions. Yes. Until the next time we discuss, and now we'll be going, actually... Long round of day. No. Um, join us next week. Oh, one thing I will say about schools and Anastasia is I wonder if they'll start doing it more again because Beauty and the Beast is the rights have been pulled. Yeah. Um, because they're, they're doing a revival. Who would have guessed it? They've literally been talking about this revival since 2019. Oh, is this, this is the one where they thought it was going to reopen a theatre? And then well, it's not a rumour, it's just like everyone like being like, it's probably going to reopen the palace. We've heard otherwise. We've heard that their England has reopened the palace, which is insane. <laughs> it's a football play about Gareth Southgate. It is crazy. For all our American listeners, he is the first manager. Yeah. Anyways, that's Anastasia. Okay, Anastasia. Great, bring it to London. Next week. Next week, A Christmas Carol, the musical. A Christmas Carol, the musical by Alan Menken and Lynn Arons. Um, Merry Christmas, guys. It is now December, so I'm going to start signing off all of my all of the episodes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy anyway. holidays. Stay Happy woke. holidays. Yeah. Guys, yeah, stay woke. Um... Seasons greetings. <laughs> Happy day. Yeah, guys, stay woke against the, I don't know, fucking stay a part of the liberal hate brigade. Or whatever the hell the right are calling it nowadays. <laughs> you know? Anyway. Bye-bye.